0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.
1: Hey, everyone. We are loving all of the SOS submissions you're sending in. Please keep them coming. And coming up, we're especially interested in questions about beverages. Alcoholic, non-alcoholic, functional, fizzy, you name it. So if there's a drink emergency we can help you solve, give us a buzz, as always, it's dinnersos at bonappetit.com. Okay, now on with the show. Hey there, listeners, future callers, and cooking enthusiasts. Welcome to Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner, or whatever you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, Food Director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Our caller this week, Sarah, is largely vegetarian, and often when someone tells you they've reduced their meat intake, they'll follow that news up by gushing about produce or all the sources of plant-based protein they're now using. But not Sarah.
0: My husband and I are pretty notorious among our friend group for pretty much exclusively eating pasta. I'm someone who I would eat pasta for breakfast. Like, I don't know if you've heard of the children's books, Dragonona. Oh God, yeah. The overflowing pasta pot. I was like, that's a dream.
1: Now, I don't have to tell you that pasta is both delicious and convenient, but Sarah and her family are eating so much pasta that, well...
0: As a physician, I'm worried that we're going to get scurvy. <laughs> um, I'm just like, we need to, I'm telling my patients all the evidence on the Mediterranean diet, and I'm over here eating pasta with butter all the time.
1: Okay, this is, yeah, this is very relatable, and I'm, I'm curious, like, In your mind, okay, I see two paths diverging in a yellow wood here, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm seeing there's the path of like, well, okay, pasta, I mean, okay, yeah, no, don't over-index on it maybe to the degree that you are. But to what degree should you work within like the pasta framework to maybe Mm -hmm. bring more vegetables, whole grains, et cetera, into the pasta space? Mm -hmm. Or do we need to just go cold turkey no pasta, and get you to make something else entirely. What appeals more to you? Because I think they're both like very valid approaches.
0: I think initially I was thinking, okay, let's get some veggies in this pasta. But, you know, after hearing the diverging paths, I'm thinking that just kind of doing something different would be very valuable as we're really trying to commit to eating more vegetables. Mm -hmm. But if there's any way like that, we could come up with like some sort of veggie dish that doesn't take a ton of time to make would be incredible.
1: When you make pasta, are you literally doing pasta with butter and cheese or are you doing a range of pasta dishes
0: we will do a range so i'll make lasagna ziti bake we've done pasta with like peas and carrots and so if Rao sauce is on Mm -hmm. it our daughter will eat it Uh but i'd say predominantly pasta and butter is kind of our go-to like a weeknight dish where it's like okay that's something that is easy cost-effective we can make in a few minutes
1: okay And what are your feelings about beans, legumes, (laughs) pulses? Where are you at in like the sort of alternative starch space?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. We've been trying to develop a positive relationship with beans in this house. So Chloe, I guess, so our daughter will eat beans, which is fantastic. And I really like chickpeas. I'm generally okay with beans, but um, we'd have to really doll them up for Zach to get over the texture of a bean. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: I was really expecting Chloe to be the problem here. and um, No.
0: (laughs) Sounds like it's Zach. Yeah, you're reading it in between the lines, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: I'm picking up what you're putting down here. Um, (laughs) So, okay, how do you feel about rice?
0: Love rice.
1: Okay, and do you make rice with things in it, or do you tend to see rice as being kind of like a side dish or the base of a, a meal?
0: Yeah, so we, we definitely love rice. When we're not eating pasta, we'll often get some sort of like Mexican or Tex-Mex bowl with rice as the base. Um, I think we haven't done that as much in our house just because of our generally, we just kind of have all the spices for like Italian cooking.
1: Okay, because that was going to be part of my next question. Like, yeah, where are you at in terms of flavors? It sounds like you're, you're sort of squarely in like the Mediterranean space or thereabouts, but don't necessarily have a super deep spice drawer or pantry.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd say like if I'm thinking of our spice drawer now, it's like a ton of oregano. We probably have like three different bottles of varying age of oregano. Basil, <laughs> parsley, just like general Italian seasoning. I mean, I'm sure, have you seen those like spice? It's almost, it's not like a wheel, but it's like a tube with like four different like quadrants in it. That's just different Italian spices. It's like Sicilian spice, like <laughs> rosemary. I mean, it's with that we just like pour that on. It's everything. not a wheel.
1: It's a tube.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not. not, I really, I need to come up with more of like a a geometric way of describing it. Honestly,
1: pick that thing up and throw it right over your shoulder. Like you can do so much better.
0: See, that's why I need you, Chris, because to us, that's the creme de la creme of spice.
1: (laughs) (sighs) All right. You really painted a picture and
0: it's... (laughs) Um, A scary one. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it's like kind of like a little bit of like blobs, but okay. No, this is great. Listen, it's something I think about a lot, right? Because we're all creatures of habit, all creatures who, you know, embrace foods that we know and that we're comfortable with. And yes, some of us... And and I'm not necessarily even including myself here. Some of us are, like, very up for embracing new ideas and new flavors and food. But when you're taking on that work yourself, it's one thing to go to a restaurant and have Mm -hmm. somebody deliver the experience of, oh, this is rice turned into a centerpiece main, Mm -hmm. something worthy of serving at a wedding, you -hmm. know? Like, it's one thing to have that experience, like, delivered to you versus— creating that experience for yourself, right? Because often it's intimidating because now you need an updated spice cabinet, right? You need to go shop at a store that maybe isn't like the store you're used to shopping at, you know?
0: I'm very excited to expand our repertoire and ditch some of uh, actually, after this call, I'm probably going to ditch at least one of the oreganos and uh, be <laughs> ready one. to start <laughs> and then, yeah. progress. And then once the yeah, next recording, I'll ditch the other.
1: Kendra Vaculin loves pasta, almost too much.
2: This is like the weirdest thing about me, but for for like all of college, I refused to make pasta at home because I was afraid that I would become addicted. Like, it's so good, and I always wanted it. So I was like, you have to do something else. And so I would be like, you can order pasta at a restaurant, (laughs) but at home, you have to be more adventurous.
1: And when I told her about Sarah's issue, she had some strong feelings. Sarah said she needs to, like, go cold turkey, no pasta.
2: Oh, my God. What a crazy thing to even say.
1: I know. So... You know, 50% of me is like, well, let's get her fast weeknight dishes that, you know, are almost entirely vegetarian, but, you know, still have a little bit of protein, still have something sure. kind of going on. But part of me was like, should one of us play devil's advocate and like dangle some and bring really her still? compelling? <laughs> yes, yes, you get it. See, because like you're disruptive like that. Like, so if you want, you can be the pasta dangler. Or I can be.
2: Well, I think maybe what we could do is both offer both. Ooh, okay. If you were down. Great. We could both bring one yes pasta and one no pasta. Oh,
1: that's fun. I like that. That
2: way she she has many things to choose from.
1: So Kendra and I started scheming options to both help Sarah stay on the virtuous path and tempt her towards pasta. But with a veggie-filled twist. After the break, we'll get Sarah back on the line to hear what she thinks of our dastardly plan. Hey, listeners, Chris Morocco here. If you find yourself in a dinner crisis, the Epicurious app comes to the rescue. Not only will you unlock over 50,000 recipes from Bon Appetit and Epicurious, but you'll also receive daily personalized recommendations based on your unique preferences and dietary needs. Head to the Apple App Store and download the Epicurious app to kickstart your seven-day free trial today. Don't miss out on this culinary adventure. Start your free trial and let the Epicurious app be your kitchen hero. Happy cooking. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome back to Dinner SOS. So, I thought I'd fully explained Sarah's situation to Kendra. But when we got Sarah back on the line, I quickly realized I hadn't explained the spice cylinder... Situation.
2: <laughs> what on earth? Wait, can I ask a clarifying question? Yes, please. is is each quadrant is a different blend? Yes, I see. Okay, and so it's like herbs de Provence is one, and one is like Italian whatever. Yes, it's
0: like Sicilian blend, ah, like rosemary blend. I love and it. I use this for everything, and I cleared out some of the oregano that's in there but definitely working
2: on fresher ingredients I'm slightly less of a snob than Chris and I <laughs> I, I do not hate on your cylinder oh wow. um, Things kind I, of drop. Cylinders I, I, gotta go listen you gotta Cylinders gotta go. you gotta start somewhere and if you, if you're starting places the cylinder I get it my mom <laughs> yes. has so many Funny spice blends in her pantry. We have one that's literally called salmon. What does that mean? It doesn't have salmon in it. It's ostensibly for salmon, but why not for other things? I don't know.
1: I love like Francis is like no no honey that's the one that's just for salmon.
2: <laughs> it's like, <from laughs> but what's in it? I don't know. We don't know. So listen. All of which to say I think the cylinder's okay. Is there a wide world for you outside the confines of the cylinder? Absolutely. Though I don't Break think the, from the I don't <laughs> think the place you're starting from is so bad. I have some support for my cylinder.
1: <laughs> I yeah, that this conversation I'd say is like is going to be ongoing. I feel like it's kind <laughs> of like being like I want to paint a picture but I Only want to use the color green. Mm -hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like,
1: sure, you can shaky shake, like, a little bit into a little pasta. You can, like, do a little, like, shake it off into some soup. But, like, you are working with a very narrow range of possible outcomes that are pretty like monotone in terms of the effect that they're going to have. All that to say, like, I was really struck by our conversation, Sarah, in terms of if you are looking to put flavor into vegetables and legumes and pulses and tofu and all the rest of it on a weeknight, you need to be painting with more colors. You know, like you need to unlock the potential of your spice drawer. You need to buy yourself a little mortar and pestle or a little spice mill. That, Like the the mortar and pestle is just going to get nestled right into that drawer next to the spices. It's not up on a high shelf. It's not over (laughs) in the
0: pantry. (laughs) It's not like, yeah. No,
1: no, no, no. And it's not, you're not making pesto in it. You know what I'm saying? But you need Uh to you are using it to crush your dried spices that you are gonna go to Marzik Foods and invest in quality examples of.
0: Wow. Okay, I love it. The nuance. We've like come kind of full circle.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is like I said, the conversation is ongoing. (laughs) I know I'm right.
2: I'm emailing you in two weeks being like, send me a picture of your cylinder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, come on. (laughs) Where are the levels?
1: So I described to Kendra your issue, which certainly could be boiled down if you will haha to a three letter acronym tmp right just like too much pasta
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I always think be
2: posting yes
1: <laughs> so I I feel like I put it to you, Sarah. Did you want us to try to bring pasta a little bit more towards the vegetable space and work within pasta frameworks to find ways to get alternative proteins, vegetables, et cetera, into that mix? Or did you want us to just go away from pasta, cold turkey, hard stop, okay? And Correct me if I'm wrong. You said no more pasta.
0: Yes, you are correct.
1: Okay, see, like, Kendra and I love this. But unfortunately, we're just not very good at following directions.
2: (laughs) Here's the thing, Sarah. We were like, yes, are we going to do what you asked and provide you with non-pasta recipes? Yes, we will do that. And because we like to do even more than our job description, we are also going to be realists here and know that in the future pasta will probably be back on the literal and metaphorical table so yes each of us have both a non pasta recipe and a pasta recipe for you because we wow, do, we I just want to meet you where you are you know i love it let's
0: take a middle ground
1: wow this framing is like almost unhealthily positive <laughs> i was like kendra let's do this to mess with her <laughs>
0: She's like, what if we only
2: bring pasta? Will she be so pissed?
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, I have good mental flexibility. I'm like, I'm here for it. I love it. (laughs)
1: Amazing. Okay. Well, um, all right. So each one of us is going to present a pasta based dish, and we're each going to present a non pasta weeknight friendly dinner, whatever it's going to be. Okay. Okay. Kendra, what do you think? Do you want to go first?
2: I do. And I'm doing something I've never done before, which is both of the recipes that I am bringing to the table are mine. Um... I, you know, if you can't advocate for you, who's going to advocate for you? You know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? Exactly. So, we love confidence. Thank you yes. so much. Um, <laughs> usually, I try to spread the love on this podcast, but today I was like, you know, who does weeknight vegetarian-friendly stuff really damn well? I'll tell you, it's me. Um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> here it is. Okay, the first one was not to toot my own horn, quite popular recipe um, when it went live, which is the sheet pan tomato and feta um, oh, yeah. recipe. It's a sheet pan recipe. It all happens on one pan in the oven, so super easy. And you have tomatoes, and this is good for wintertime tomatoes when they're, like, kind of not at their best. Um, You can just really grab any beefsteak, Roma tomatoes, whatever you can find at the grocery store. Throw those on the sheet pan and cook them down a bit until they're, like, kind of jammy, juicy. And then you add chickpeas and big pieces of feta. And Mm. after the fact, you add, like, arugula and olives. And the whole mess is so delicious, spooned over a grain or sopped up with a flatbread. It's super easy, but it hits like all those notes you want. You have that like salty, cheesy. You get the protein from the chickpeas. You have a pickly bite from your olives. You can throw as much or as little arugula on there as you want for greens, roughage energy. And it's a really good way to use up tomatoes in a time of the year when they are not uh, singing their best song that sounds delicious
1: how are your kids with feta i'm just curious you're mm. on the
0: same page chris because that's what i was thinking i was like hmm, i don't know i don't think i've ever given her feta it'd be good to expand her palette though
1: yeah i mean kendra correct me if i'm wrong i feel like if if feta was a pressure point here mm-hmm maybe just like some slabs of mozzarella exactly, or just like mm. a firmer cheese, like a Parmesan even just even scattered after, over Yeah, after. you could just
2: grate Parmesan over the top. No big deal. Super easy to swap in a different cheese. The feta is nice because you get that like blistery look mm. from the oven, but totally, I don't think as a kid I was a huge feta fan, so I would have loved just a grating of parm over the yeah. top at the end.
1: exactly. Yeah,
2: a little fresh mozzarella and then you're like, it's pizza chickpeas. It's pizza
1: chickpeas. We just rebranded.
2: To me, I go back again and again to sheet pan dinners. They're a classic for a reason, and I think that's a good way to go.
1: And they're really adaptable. Like, there's certain sheet pan preparations that are perfectly fine for animal-based protein. Mm -hmm. But that said, there's so much you can do without animal-based protein Mm -hmm. on a sheet pan. Like, you're not making a steak on a sheet pan. You know what I mean? Like, only very particular cuts of chicken really work in this kind of setup anyway. The fact of working in a space where you're talking about, you know, a canned bean or canned chickpea or, you know, vegetables, greens, things of that sort, like, really, really take to this kind of preparation. Not that I'm yeah. trying to boost Kendra's choice or whatever.
0: <laughs> no, that definitely sheet pan. Dinners are much better for us. We can pre-eat the oven, put it all on the pan and just kind of like go from there. So no, I, that sounds like an awesome option. Nice.
2: Okay. And then my number two, my pasta choice is kind of like a trick on pasta anyway. So it's like I could maybe have played this off as non-pasta, even though it, it definitely is. And that is, it's titled on the site Spring Orzoto. And Ooh. that this is why it is an orzo risotto. So orzo is a rice-shaped pasta. I'm not sure if you've ever had it. It's like tiny little pasta shaped as like elongated grains of rice. So pasta fans and rice fans alike will love it. And so this is using that pasta cooked risotto style, but because it's pasta rather than rice, it cooks much more quickly. Um, And basically what risotto style means is like adding a little bit of liquid at a time while you stir and Mm -hmm. that releases the starches. It does the same for rice as it would for pasta and thickens the mixture to have this sort of like luscious, beautiful, ultimate end texture. And in this one, you can throw in truly any vegetables that will cook quickly steamed in liquid. So you could do broccoli florets. You could do cauliflower florets. You could do peas and asparagus. You could even do carrot. There's so many vegetables that you could throw in. Anything that you would like steam or um, blanch, you can cook in this way. And then you finish it with a little swirl of pesto. And you just can buy store-bought pesto and spoon that right in. So to me, it's like a slightly elevated and veg-crammed take on just like a classic pesto pasta? Mm.
1: So, okay, I'm just going to go for it here. When I was thinking about masses of flavor, vegetarian and weeknight, where I went was crispy tofu with peanut sauce from Mm. our dear colleague, Rachel Gerger.
2: Love this recipe.
1: To me, I think peanut butter in sweet applications is an abomination, but turned savory, I think it's Incredible. The power to deepen the flavors of a braise of rich, saucier foods. When you meet that flavor head on and you balance it out with equally strong flavors as occurs in this recipe, its power to transform food is Mm. unmatched. So what you have in this recipe is a package of tofu, gotten a little bit crispy in oil, no fancy starchy coating, anything like that. It's just getting a little bit of texture around the edges and developing a little flavor and seasoning the tofu itself. You then have shallot, ginger, and garlic, ground cumin, okay, which is a powerful spice, you know, very savory, very earthy. And you've got a little bit of red chili powder, which you can, you know, use as much as you think your family will tolerate. A little bit of ground turmeric. It's finished with a little bit of coconut cream and natural peanut butter, like just like the smooth stuff. But I mean, if you have Skippy or Jif or whatever, that's fine too. A little bit of honey for a little bit of sweet balance. So you have something that's very savory, very rich. And so you have this saucy, peanutty, brazy tofu in very little time. And you can serve that over rice, no pasta in sight. And when you think about like building flavor from the ground up from scratch on a weeknight. I think this recipe and, and ones like it, you know, I'm thinking of other things like Sarah Jempel's black pepper tofu, mm. which, you know, maybe not so much for a kid, but for the adults, maybe a little bit more. Hetty McKinnon, you know, has like every type of tofu that she's done all kinds of wonderful transformative things to. There's a lot in this space, you know, and if you didn't want to do the tofu, we'll just make the sauce and throw chicken. Like peas in that. Yeah. You know?
2: This sauce is so great because so like the jumping off place was saute, yeah, like chicken sorry, saute thank you. for Rachel when she was developing. And for me as a kid Chicken saute is, like, peanut butter chicken, and it's so good. Mm -hmm, Like, of mm -hmm. of all the dishes like that, I felt like that was the thing that was safe. It was on a stick. It was chicken. It tasted kind of like peanut butter. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is a really great way to, if your kids don't eat tofu, maybe have them eat tofu because it's cloaked in this very kind Mm. of familiar but not so familiar sauce. And, like, if the shallot, ginger, garlic of it all sounds a little… Squidgy to your kid, like that kind of goes away. All it does is amp up or add to the sort of aromatic nature of the sauce, and you're not in there being like, "Hmm, this is a piece of ginger," a piece of or "This, this a is piece like of that exactly." You know, sh- very shallot forward. It's ver- it's truly like a creamy peanut buttery sauce that just blankets the tofu so so nicely.
1: Yeah,
0: that sounds very tasty. We have some peanut butter fans for sure nice. over here. And tofu, preparing tofu well is definitely one of my goals. I I feel like I've never prepared tofu well, but yeah. I'm very interested in that because that's, you know, another source of protein. Totally. Okay. It's so
1: fast, so easy to work with. Yeah. You know, if you try this recipe, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised.
2: Yeah. and And something like this where it's the flavor is mostly dependent on the sauce, the tofu itself, like if you don't, aren't getting like that perfect crisp exterior or whatever, it's not suffering because ultimately you still have that gorgeous sauce that's coating the whole tofu. It's not like the tofu is like center stage, unadorned, whatever, at which point maybe there is a a little bit more pressure to transform it in some Mm. huge way. Here, the sauce is doing most of the heavy lifting for you.
1: All right. So now it's time for evil Chris to (laughs) suggest a pasta recipe and to make an equally fervent case for it to try to tempt you to the pasta side of the force. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Brothy pasta with chickpeas. This was a co-production between my former colleague, Andy Baragani and myself from a number of years ago. Part of why I'm suggesting this recipe is because I really wanted to see if I could get my hooks into you about it. And I needed like really strong (laughs) selling points. I couldn't just give you like pasta with whatever, okay? So you have, like, a tomatoey sauce with chickpeas, weeknight stalwart, okay? Uh You've got, like, a little bit of onion, olive oil, garlic, a sprig of rosemary. You could use the... (laughs) You could use the cylinder. cylinder. God help me if you wanted to here.
0: Chris said I can use a cylinder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're just using a very small amount of tomatoes, okay? And then you're adding, like, water such that you can cook a short pasta like an aracchietta, right in the sauce. You don't need to boil it separately. So it kind of becomes like a broth. Is it a soup? Is it a brothy pasta? We don't Hmm. know. But it's all happening in one pot together. And so it's very streamlined. It's very flavorful. And yeah, that's what I got.
0: How soupy are we talking?
1: It's not, I mean, it's brothy. It's not soupy. It's not like tons okay. of liquid. And you could even, you know, depending on like how much of the solids you put into a bowl versus how much of the liquid, mm-hmm. you can make it a more or less liquidy experience. It's going to vary user to user. The, a lot of the water evaporates, but you okay. need to start with a certain threshold, like kind of minimum amount of water in order to have the pasta be able to actually cook.
0: Right. I mean, that's strong. The ingredients you mentioned are famous. Fan faves. I can even use the cylinder. I mean, it's very, very enticing. I do want to tell you um, a little
2: secret, uh, which is that the section of the magazine called Dinner Served, which is something that I work on every month, where the premise is we pick a theme and then there's four to five recipes that are like quick-ish weeknight dinner, low ingredient list type of recipes. And our theme for February is veg pastas pastas with a lot of vegetables in it. And none of the recipes that we brought to you today were from that section, but the recipes that are in that section are really fun. So I think you would really enjoy that. There's a really good one that I love that's full of mushrooms. There's a broccolini pesto situation. There's a lot of good stuff. And so I think if you're looking for ways to hide vegetables inside of food for children. Oh wow sometimes I need that. (laughs) We
1: all need that. Yeah.
2: I need someone to like sneakily put greens inside of my smoothie or whatever. And this is the pasta version of that. They're like these five delicious pastas that secretly have a bunch of veg stuffed in them.
1: We're going to take another break. When we come back, did Sarah default to pasta or have we helped her broaden her horizons and her spice drawer? Here at Dinner SOS, we love tackling your kitchen issues. But what if I told you there's a way to rescue dinner before it turns into an emergency? With expert insights from the test kitchen, cooking and entertaining tips, and a treasury of over 50,000 recipes, Bon Appetit and Epicurious are your lifelines to rescue any meal. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off an annual digital subscription, including access to the user-friendly Epicurious app. Just use code SOS20 at bonappetit.com. That's SOS20 for a 20% discount on an annual digital subscription to Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Happy cooking! And don't worry, I'll still be here if your dinner plan self destructs.
2: Hi,
0: Sarah. Hi, Kendra. Hi, Chris.
1: Hi. I'm just remembering we tempted you, you know, we were like the good angel on your shoulder and we were the bad angel on your shoulder. We were like the you're going to get scurvy angel and the (laughs) you're all it's all good, you know. And I'm really dying to know what you ended up going with, because I feel like we went out of our way to to both help you, but kind of really question your commitment to breaking out of the pasta zone. Michelle, you want to play the tape for us?
0: So, I picked the crispy tofu with peanut sauce recipe. I went with this one because I really want to explore different types of protein, and tofu is one that has somewhat eluded me. I feel like every time I've made it in the past, it's ended up very crumbly and has not tasted like much of anything. So, When I heard about this recipe from Chris, I thought this would be a good one for us to try, Um, particularly with the peanut butter sauce, because I think my daughter would eat that. It could potentially mask any concern with the texture of tofu. Wow,
1: there it is.
0: Oh my gosh, congratulations. (laughs) We're so
1: proud of you.
2: Thank you. We couldn't sway you with our pasta pitches.
1: Before we hear how Sarah tackled the tofu, I wanna talk you through Rachel Gerger's crispy tofu with peanut sauce. First, drain and pat the tofu dry, cut it into cubes and brown it in a pan. Transfer it to a plate so you can start building your sauce, starting with your aromatics, shallot, garlic, and ginger. Then spices like cumin, chili powder, and turmeric. Add in coconut cream, peanut butter, and honey, and simmer until the sauce is thickened. Thin it out with a little bit of water, Then put the tofu back into the pot and simmer it until it's heated back through. Finish the whole thing with lime juice, cilantro, and jalapeno slices. And incidentally, this recipe is one of the recipes in our Bon Appetit 56, the 56 recipes we think you must make this year. Check out the whole list at bonappetit.com slash BA56. Okay, now back to Sarah. So how was the tofu? Was it a hit? Did it overreach in terms of the flavors and everything that was going on in the dish?
0: Yeah. So I I asked for a little um, local support beyond my Bon Appetit support team. Um, I have several friends in the area who went to culinary school. Nice. And so it was mostly for fun having them come over, but also, of course, for some of their culinary wisdom. And so one of my friends just like helped me in the preparation of the tofu, which was Life changing because you know, I read the directions, I read directions to actually do it like press the tofu very loosely, and mm-hmm. that I wouldn't do that. And I this time I did, I still don't have a tofu press, but we actually committed. They're like, No, Sarah, like you have to press the <laughs> tofu. Um, and so we use like a cookbook and I just kind of like put it on the tofu, and so that set me up for more success. And then also, I usually would just take this like massive spoon and just start vigorously like moving the tofu around hmm. the pan
2: uh-huh.
0: and hence the crumbles yeah. and so when my friend Brianda was helping me she was like she was asking if i had certain utensils to, like, flip the tofu. And I was like, no, like, I have forks and spoons. <laughs> um, and and so she was like, okay, we can work with that. And so, like, she was just teaching me how to, like, gently, like, move the tofu using, like, a fork. And I was like, wow, it's, it's not piercing through the tofu. It's mm. not becoming just, like, a crumbly mess. And that really changed the game. So when it says to brown, like, the tofu, that actually happened as opposed to just, like, a ball of tofu crumbles. That's so which, great.
1: Honestly, this sauce is so flavorful. Full, even that would have been okay. But okay, so Kendra, I'm curious what your thoughts are around pressing tofu. Do you feel like you need to do it? Do you do I it? I
2: like to do it. Um, there's some recipes where I feel like you don't need it, but for something like this, I always do. And I don't have a tofu press either. I usually wrap it in a couple layers of paper towel and then stick it underneath like a cast iron pan or something, mm, something really heavy. Mm-hmm. But a book is good. In college, I used to use, <laughs> I was a theater major and I had the, the anthology of every work of Shakespeare. So it's like this Amazing. humongous book and <laughs> and I used to press my tofu under it. So I kept my anthology of Shakespeare in the kitchen. That's but I think that's a perfect move. And also, it's actually a really great lesson to learn, too, about stirring things too early. Anything that you're crisping up and that's going to form a crust, like if you're cooking chicken thighs with the skin on or whatever, and you're like, oh, no, I can't flip it. It's stuck to the pan. Like, my dinner is ruined. If it's sticking, it's because it hasn't, like, formed that crust and, and cooked enough yet. Like, as soon as mm-hmm. it has that crust it will release itself from the pan. And so being too antsy to move it is actually like a detriment and will lead you to the stickage. So I think in this instance, having that bit of patience is a lesson you can apply to recipes outside of this one.
0: Yeah. And I really wanted to get like kind of the crispy tofu. Like that was a goal. But like you said, Chris, like the sauce is so flavorful. And like when I paired it with rice, I wouldn't necessarily like need it to have that super crispy quality. But it definitely, I think, made the recipe like pop even more.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I personally don't tend to press my tofu anymore. And partly just because I think it's more about, for me, it's like drying the outer surface is more important than like expelling Mm. the liquid within, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. I think you're onto something in terms of like using the right tool for the job when it comes Mm. to flipping Mm -hmm. the tofu, releasing it from the pan, what Kendra was talking about. A fish spatula. I, I know that metal on nonstick, if you're using nonstick, isn't ideal. But especially if you're using a regular skillet, you don't want to leave all the crispy brown bits behind in this kind of mm, application. Mm-hmm. You want to set them to stay stuck to your food, not to the pan. Ultimately, the flavor is going to still be represented in the dish regardless, even if some bits do get left behind on the cooking surface. But I, I highly recommend a fish spatula as being the Default go-to turning implement for virtually any application.
2: It'll change your whole game. It's so thin. The, the so reason thin. it's awesome is the spatula itself. It's like you're thinking of a spatula for like flipping a pancake. Imagine no. half as thick as that. So Surprisingly, if you,
0: I have one, which is oh, like very what? odd. I know, I know. You just told us all you had yeah, was I spoons have spoon. and forks. You're like,
1: <laughs> like doing it with a friggin' like two no. foot long wooden spoon.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was doing, but I would never have ever thought of it because I, I only think of it for like salmon so now it's turning out that i do have some of the actual tools that's what you're going to use
1: for everything from now on i'm trying to think okay. of an instance in which you wouldn't use it and failing to the come up with le- there's anything. nothing
2: there's no there's, time i use okay. it for frying wow
1: to pick things up out of the oil and let things drain away, I'll use it for pasta. I mean, it it literally does not matter. It's there on the countertop ready for you.
0: Okay. Oh, wow.
1: So I'm curious, has your pasta game changed just based on the conversation that we had just about, okay, pasta dinner doesn't have to be 99%, you know, pasta, like you can mix it up with like vegetables, you can shift the ratio of pasta to other kind of mix-ins in any given dish. Like has any of that thinking infiltrated your, your pasta repertoire?
0: Yes, I'd say that my pasta repertoire has changed, but also the frequency of eating pasta has decreased. I've actually made the recipe at least four times since we Last spoke.
1: Well, okay, listen, I I think you're doing an admirable job bridging out of your comfort zone into a slightly different way of thinking about weeknight cooking. I wanna call out it not live yet. I'm thinking of shilpa's butter and gochujang braised so good. Um, tofu that is forthcoming. That mm. is going to be a banger for you. It might be a little bit assertive in terms of like heat, but you can dial back the amount of gochujang. That's one to look out for. There's a lot in in in, in that space for you to check out, you know, in in the app and on bonappetit.com. Any other giants to slay here or are we good?
2: <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yes. I want to say one thing about tofu. You have to make the tofu nuggets. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I saw oh, that yeah. come up. Okay. Okay.
0: okay you okay. have
2: to make this. Zoe Dunnenberg, shout out, developed this recipe for these tofu nuggets. Tofu nuggets, usually bad, sort of like yes. impossible yes. to make be good. This is one instance where you don't press your tofu because the residual oh. liquid in there actually makes the inside of this nugget taste like chicken, like have okay. the consistency of like a moist piece of chicken. And the mixture that you put on the outside has a little bit of nutritional yeast in it, which seems mm-hmm. crazy, but it it actually doesn't influence the flavor at all. It's just like making it a little more savory, crunchy. And you use AP flour or rice flour and like a little garlic powder and a little onion mm-hmm. powder. Oh. Okay. It is so good. And you don't even fry them. You bake them in the oven. Oh, even
0: better. It's even better. It is
2: truly nonsense that these are as good as they are. There will be like tiny crumbles left on your pan and you will be siphoning them into your mouth from the corner of your sheet pan. Like I bought ketchup specifically to make these. I advocate for these tofu nuggets. I think I mean would I'm love gonna them. do totally it, agree.
0: and I have my fish spatula to get those crumbles Hell up. Hell yeah! And I'm ready for it. That's gonna be next up. I like now tofu's on my rotation. Like when I do my grocery shopping, I pick it up every time. Beautiful. So this is like you guys have made a significant influence on our family's protein consumption. So <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I'm so
2: proud.
1: If you have a dinner emergency on your hands write to us at dinnersos at or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. We'd love to feature your question on the show. You can find the recipes mentioned on today's episode, crispy tofu with peanut sauce, brothy pasta with chickpeas, tomatoes and feta with chickpeas, and spring orzoto on the Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening to Dinner SOS. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Kendra Vaculin. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Cameron Foose is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Thanks to Gabe Karoga for engineering help. Amar Lal makes this episode. Chris Bannon is Condé Nast's head of global audio. Next week, Michelle is a real Francophile. She loves the food, the language, her French husband, but... My problem, Chris, is that when I try to recreate these dishes at home back in the U.S., they don't taste the same ever at all. I use so many store-bought sauces like off the shelf at the supermarket. Like, the Watcheries, Pad Thai sauce. Don't like the get him sauce. started
2: on the enchilada oh, sauce. The, oh. uh, the
1: enchilada <laughs> sauce of Rick Bayless. This
2: man loves his Rick Bayless enchilada oh, sauce.
1: They 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 canceled it and now I'm like This is like the fourth episode sam- of Dinner SOS that he has no, <laughs> mentioned. The, this, this is enchilada my sauce. dinner SOS.
2: Hi friends, I'm Cameron Rogers, mental health advocate, mom of two, content creator and host of Conversations with Cam. This podcast is dedicated to having honest conversations, prioritizing your well-being, and reminding you that no matter what you're feeling, you are not alone. We'll discuss mental health maintenance, the ups and downs of motherhood, the trials and tribulations of life and have a lot of fun along the way. Whether you're knee deep in diapers or just trying to keep your sanity intact, this podcast is for you. Expect laughs, maybe a few tears and hopefully some breakthroughs along the way. Make sure to subscribe and tune in for new episodes of Conversations with Conversations with Cam every Wednesday morning.